This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Did you ever imagine that something that started as a hobby would end up tracking down and capturing one of the most notorious criminals in California? Absolutely not. No idea. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story that I'm Pretty sure you haven't heard before. It's the true tale of how a retired attorney in California became a crime fighter and revolutionized the way we identify criminals. And here's the part that will really get your attention. She did it without ever leaving her home. It's not that I'm so very special. It's just I happened to be in the right, right place at the right time. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is my life of crime. I've spent much of my career reporting on criminal cases and the people who solve them. I'm about to tell you about the most unusual sleuth I've ever run into. I met her while reporting for CBS Sunday Morning. Her name? Barbara Ray Venter. And she managed to do what trained investigators couldn't do. She identified the elusive Golden State serial killer. We found the needle in the haystack. And it was right here in Sacramento. In April 2018, the FBI and California law enforcement announced that the notorious Golden State killer had finally been identified and caught. His name? Joseph James D'Angelo. He's been called the Eastside Rapist. He's been called the Visalia Ransacker, the original Night Stalker, and the Golden State Killer. Today, it's our pleasure to call him Defendant. D'Angelo turned out to be a former cop who, until the day he was caught, acted like every other retiree. He cut his grass, went to the grocery store, 
but unlike his neighbors, D'Angelo had a dark, murderous past. For a 12-year period beginning in 1974, he broke into people's homes up and down the state of California, committing at least 13 murders and more than 50 rapes. And then in 1986, he simply disappeared. And he might have stayed hidden to this day, if not for Barbara Ray Venter. If you've never heard her name, that was by choice. When D'Angelo was arrested, she asked to remain anonymous. Because of safety. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know something might you know, go wrong and he gets, he, he's released. He's the kind of guy who would go after you. But it's not only the, the perpetrators, it's also they've got friends, relatives. But now with so many other people using the same technique, Barbara feels it's time to talk about how it all came about. What a story she tells. She tracked him down using a technique called IgG, or Investigative Genetic Genealogy, a technique she helped to design for crime fighting. We should begin in the 2000s, when Barbara first became interested in genetic genealogy. I started actually doing genetic genealogy back um, when the autosomal DNA kits first came out. Well, let me just break that down a little bit. You use the term autosomal DNA. What is that? Okay, so the autosomes are chromosomes 1 through 22, if you remember your biology. Um, plus, you also have a pair of sex chromosomes. So you've got 23 pairs of chromosomes. So this is the blueprint for you. And you share pieces of that blueprint with your cousins. And so what it allows you to do is to take that DNA then and look for people who share DNA with you, what we call a match. Barbara, who had grown up in New Zealand, started by building her own family tree. She submitted her DNA profile in public databases like Ancestry.com and 23andMe and discovered to her surprise that she had Canadian ancestors. I actually didn't know that. I thought that all of my grandparents were off the boat from Scotland. Um, so this was huge revelation. I then persuaded all of my relatives to test. <laughs> and um, then I set up a, a project on family tree DNA. And I think I now have about 200, 250 people in the project. Barbara had plenty of time to do the research. She was retired from practicing law. She's a tiny dynamo with a lot of energy and stamina. So she told me she decided to use her skills to help others. Barbara became a search angel. What is a search angel? So a search angel is somebody who volunteers their time to help somebody who's adopted find their birth relatives. It's such a fundamental desire. They are just so focused. They just so want to know where they came from. Barbara was volunteering as a search angel in 2015 for a website called DNA Adoption when she opened up an email sent to the site by an investigator by the name of Peter Headley. I'm Peter Headley. I was working for San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. Um, started off with them working just search and rescue back in the 80s and 
ended up working in crimes against children. And that's when I uh, started working the Lisa case. Peter Headley is a tall, lanky man. He's now retired as an investigator, but he remembers the Lisa Jensen case as if he was still working it. Uh, she was a living doe. She had been recovered in 1986 at about five years old. And when you say a living doe, a living Jane Doe, what is a living doe? Um, she's alive, but we have no idea who she is. She went by the name Lisa Jensen, but no one knew her real name. By the time Peter Headley began working the case, Lisa was in her 30s. But back in the 1980s, she was abandoned in an RV park by a man who called himself Gordon Jensen. Um, it turned out she had been kidnapped at about six months old by the suspect. And he just told everyone that he was the father. And no one knew any different. And she was too young to know any different. Later, detectives learned that Gordon Jensen was one of the many aliases used by Terry Rasmussen, a notorious serial killer who died in prison in 2010 without ever revealing who Lisa really was. It's not even just that. So she finds out that the only man she knew wasn't her dad. She doesn't know who her mother is. She doesn't know whether she has sisters or brothers. She knows nothing. Nope, nothing. Peter said that Lisa, desperate to find her real family, had heard about genetic genealogy. And I said, okay, let's try it. So opened an account for her, got her in Ancestry, and we had some distant matches. And I'm like, this might just work. But Peter felt he just didn't know enough to conduct the search without help. So he decided to email DNA adoption. And that's how he found Barbara Ray Venter and how Barbara fell into her first mystery to find the identity of the living Jane Doe. And why did you say yes? It was a puzzle. <laughs> Peter and Barbara joined forces virtually. Barbara pulled out her computer and began the laborious process of building family trees to find Lisa's real family. They had no idea how tough it was going to be. Was the biggest problem trying to find who Lisa really was, the fact that you had no idea where she was born? Correct. And in fact, what was even more confusing is the person who had abducted her, as far as law enforcement had been able to, to deduce, he had literally been all over the U.S. in the time period around when she would have been abducted. Uh, he had even been up into Quebec in Canada. Is it more than just looking at the DNA? Oh, absolutely. The DNA is just the jump-off point. You're doing census records. You're doing birth, death, and marriage records. Um, my favorite is probably Facebook. I've actually built trees from the amount of stuff that people put in their Facebook pages. And when the duo found people they thought might be related to Lisa, Peter would contact them and coax them into taking DNA tests to find out for sure, it wasn't easy. People were skeptical, thought it was a scam. One lady thought I was going to clone her. Um, clone her? Yeah. That's how little people really knew, right? Yeah. And DNA tests are expensive. Peter and Barbara had to reach into their own pockets to help subsidize the cause. So you're not 
only not getting paid to do this work, <laughs> you're actually paying right. for these tests. Yeah, we, we probably each spent a couple of thousand dollars on kits. It turned out to be much tougher than either imagined, taking nearly a year. But in 2016, the DNA trail finally led to New Hampshire and the case of a missing young mother, Denise Bowden. She and her infant daughter had been living with a man by the name of Bob Evans when they all vanished in 1981. Can you guess who Bob Evans really was? That serial killer, Terry Rasmussen. Investigators now believe that Rasmussen kidnapped the little girl after killing her mom. I called Lisa up and I asked her if she wanted to know her real name. We had figured it out. And she just, she just got real quiet and then very quietly said yes. Lisa Jensen is really Dawn Bowden. Sadly, she will never get to know her mom. And while Lisa Jensen has decided not to talk publicly about her case, she did speak over the phone with Barbara. It was very special because she shared something personal with me, which... Um, indicated how much it meant to her. So she had had a live-in partner for quite a long period of time. They had three children together, but she'd never wanted to get married. And after I was able to tell her who she was, she got married. Why? Tell me, why was that? She, she just said it didn't feel right when she didn't really know who she was or where she'd come from. And now that she knew that, she felt comfortable now going forward and getting married. I just thought that was so special. Barbara was excited by what she and Peter had accomplished. She believes it was the first time genetic genealogy had been used to solve a major criminal case. The word spread fast, and a year later, Barbara got a call out of the blue. Could she use the same technique to find the Golden State Killer? Barbara said yes. There was at one point, there were, um, I think, six full-time investigators, three FBI agents searching for this guy, and they couldn't find him. And you thought you could? I, I, yeah, the, the DNA should, should tell me who, who he is. I was absolutely certain of that. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Barbara Ray Venter was about to venture where experienced detectives had gone and failed to try to find and identify the Golden State Killer. Investigators provided a DNA profile left by the serial killer at a California crime scene, and Barbara uploaded it to two public databases, GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA. This time, she was building the family tree of a killer. 63 days later, 
you know, I'm sitting there at three in the morning all by my little lonesome staring at my computer. I know who you are. You're Joseph D'Angelo. And at that moment, were you the only person in the world who knew who the Golden State Killer was? Besides him, probably. It was an astonishing breakthrough, but Barbara's word was not enough to make an arrest. I'm providing an investigative lead. You still need some old-fashioned detective work. And in fact, there were some folks working on the case who just didn't believe Barbara could possibly be right. So investigators got to work getting DNA samples from D'Angelo himself to confirm he was the right guy. For more than a week, they followed the suspect around, hoping he'd drop a cup or a can that contained his DNA. When they watched him drive to a store and walk in, they got a swab of the vehicle's door handle. And then to be absolutely sure, they kept following him until they watched him discard a used tissue. Both samples were rushed to a lab. The DNA obtained from both samples matched the profile left at the crime scene. Joseph James D'Angelo was the infamous Golden State Killer. Within days, the brutal killer who had evaded law enforcement for decades was finally behind bars. I've listened to all your statements, each one of them. That's Joseph James D'Angelo. And I'm really sorry to everyone I've heard. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, sir. Barbara Ray Venter was there when D'Angelo was sentenced to life without possibility of parole. I think it was bigger for the people who doubted that it could happen because they were completely taken by surprise that, yeah, we've actually got this guy. Um, but I was always sure that we could. I've been thinking a lot about this case and all the cold cases that have since been solved using the same technique, investigative genetic genealogy. This season of this podcast, My Life of Crime, is all about secrets that families keep. In Joseph James D'Angelo's case, his secret was ultimately revealed by family members, most of whom he never met. And this is the future. More and more criminals are going to be discovered in this same way. Many people are bothered by that fact. They don't think investigators should be allowed to troll through public databases searching for killers on the run. At least two states have already placed limits on the use by law enforcement agencies. But there are also many people who believe IgG can bring peace and justice to the victims of crime. Here's one of them. I get violent crime reports that come across my desk every day, and only a fraction of those are solved. Michael O'Malley is the prosecuting attorney in Cuyahoga County, Ohio. That includes the city of Cleveland. For years, he's been trying to solve cold cases using DNA. Oftentimes, you will see individuals who have committed a sexual assault once then commit more sexual assault. So it's really getting sexual predators off the street 
for the safety of the community, as well as trying to bring some form of justice to the victims. One of those sexual predators he wanted to get off the streets was John Doe, number 147. In August 1997, he grabbed a nine-year-old boy in the woods right behind his school and sexually assaulted him. 26 years. It's been 26 years. The nine-year-old victim is now a 36-year-old man. I agreed not to use his real name. I'll just call him Michael. It's the... It's been... It's been like... It's, it's been very hilly. I've I had doubts thinking would I ever... Would we ever find the guy... Michael is now married with kids of his own, but it's clear that the day still haunts him. When he talks about it, you can still hear that scared little boy. And it wasn't just Michael who was hurt that day. So were his parents, who were racked with guilt because they were unable to protect him. I remember uh, running to my dad him taking him in the hospital. But the most I can remember is my mom, when I finally got home, she was just crying hysterically on the front porch, just blaming herself, and the neighbors are trying to calm her down. Michael and his family continued to live in fear. The assailant had threatened to return and kill Michael if he told anyone. So they kept hoping the assailant would get caught. There was DNA left on Michael's clothing. So in 2003, a profile was submitted to the federal DNA database known as CODIS, but there was no match, leaving Michael devastated. I was crushed. I was like, I, I think my only hope is just gone. That's it. He's, he's going to actually get away with it. To stop the statute of limitations for rape from running out, Prosecutors indicted the unknown assailant, John Doe number 147, based on his DNA. But with no leads, the case went cold. Until that day when Michael and the rest of the world watched the Golden State Killers case play out on TV and learned about genetic genealogy. And it was like a light bulb lit above my head. I'm like, oh, there's another way. You know? Prosecutors in Cleveland reach out to Barbara Ray Venter. Over the next few months, she helped them solve cold cases. In March of 2022, she was asked to find Michael's assailant, John Doe, number 147. Do I have this right that you ended up turning to a woman who's 2,500 miles away to help find a rapist here in Ohio. Absolutely. Is that what the 21st century crime solving is going to look like? It certainly is. It took Barbara Ray Venter about two months to come up with a list of suspects, all brothers, sharing similar DNA. Ohio investigators then were able to narrow that list down to just one of the brothers and asked Michael to view a photo lineup. Immediately, you know, my heart started pounding. I started getting clammy and sweaty, you know, and this was sort of like a flashback, you know, to when I seen him standing there in the woods. 
The man Michael recognized was Dennis Gribble with a long history of sex crimes. It was all investigators needed to get a search warrant. Days later, they appeared on Gribble's doorstep. We're here to get your DNA. Please open your mouth. He was stunned, but he complied. And we took it back to our lab and confirmed that he was the individual who sexually assaulted Michael back in 1997. We're here on case number 638767, State of Ohio versus Dennis Gribble. Defendant is in court with counsel. And that's how this past May, I was in a Cleveland courtroom where Michael saw his assailant, Dennis Gribble, dressed in an orange jumpsuit and restrained with handcuffs, walk in. Did you take a look at him today in the courtroom? Absolutely. I was just disgusted. Michael had waited nearly 26 years for this moment. Um, I wanted to show him he didn't get the best of me. I'm not your victim anymore. I'm not somebody you prey on anymore. Gribble, now 72, pleaded guilty to one count of rape. The judge gave him the maximum sentence, 10 years in prison. The only way the public can be protected is for you to spend as much time in prison as I can give you. Quite honestly, my only regret is it's only 10 years. Quite frankly, I think you should spend the rest of your life in prison. That way, some people can go to bed at night knowing that you can never get out and hurt them again. In all, Barbara Ray Venter says she's helped identify 70 violent crime suspects and unidentified sets of remains throughout the country. She's no longer retired. She started and runs Firebird Forensics, a nonprofit company that works with law enforcement. And she's helped solve eight cases in Cuyahoga County alone. Here's prosecuting attorney Michael O'Malley again. Is that a little odd that you're working with this investigator who really never leaves her dining room table? That's where she does all her investigation. I hope she never leaves it again. (laughs) So how should we balance getting justice for victims like Michael while protecting the privacy of people who submit their DNA to databases? That's a question that will have to be resolved. While O'Malley and other prosecutors are currently using the technology to help solve homicide and violent sex crimes, he says he sees its potential for less serious offenses as well. Certainly I can see its use expanded, but right now it's still a very expensive tool and it takes a lot of time. These cases through genealogy are not solved overnight. So I think right now we're still at at a time where they're gonna be a very narrow focus where it can be used, but I do see it expanding in the future. Barbara no longer works in anonymity. Earlier this year, she wrote a book, I Know Who You Are. The retired lawyer doesn't struggle with questions about privacy. She says she just wants to solve crimes. You are a retired patent attorney who now has a new career, working as hard, even harder. There's not been a lot of change, except I don't get paid as much. (laughs) Only about Half of homicides in this country are solved. 
Is genetic genealogy the answer? Is that? Absolutely. It's basically the getting the guy off the street so he doesn't keep doing this. I'm Erin Moriarty, and that's my life of crime. This podcast series is developed by 48 Hours in partnership with CBS News Radio and Paramount. Judy Tigard is 48 Hours executive producer. Megan Marcus is vice president for podcast editorial at Paramount. Production and editing for this season by Caroline Casey, Annie Cronenberg, Megan Marcus, Kiara Norbitz, and Alan Pang. With a special thanks to Pedro Rosado. This episode was also produced by Michelle Kessel of CBS Sunday Morning. And finally, a thank you to all of you, our listeners. We owe it all to you, the millions of 48 Hours fans. Don't forget to join me online. I'm at EF Moriarty on X, and we're at 48 Hours on X, Facebook, and Instagram. See you soon. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts.